Welcome to the Kincast from Kinherit. We examine everyday challenges from running a business, self-development, and getting on the property ladder to dealing with loss, having a family, and preparing for our end of life. Practical and insightful, the Kincast series will take you through life's challenges from cradle to grave. It addresses the current climate while also looking to the future to see how we can survive and thrive. Hello, Ben Mason here from Kinherit. This is the Kincast, and welcome. Today I've got two great guests. Well, I say great guests, they're all like you get at a short notice, but I've got Adrian Anderson and Emma Smith, two mortgage advisors, one from the southwest in Bristol and one from London. We're really lucky today. I think mortgages is a subject which some people find very interesting, some people find confusing, some people are bored, some people just want to ignore and hope it'll all be all right. Well, hopefully today we're going to cover a few things, dispel a few myths, and look at the world going ahead on the, in the mortgage arena, and maybe how the property market will move as well. So a little bit on our guests. I've got Emma Smith. She's been in the mortgage for 25 years. Looking at Emma's fresh face. Did you start when, <laughs> did you, start when you were five, Emma? So 25 years doing mortgages. I was confidential, Ben. Confidential, yes. You worked at Alliance and Leicester to start with, and stayed in banking and retail banking for many years, setting up Grace & Co, her company now, nearly 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Then we have Adrian Anderson, he set up Anderson Harris also 10 years ago, having spent many years at SPF, that's the private, private client arm of Savills, and at HSBC before that. So lucky to have two great guests. A little bit about us. I'm Ben Mason, the CEO of Kinherit. We're an estate planning firm focusing on wills, trust, powers of attorney, and all things death. I got called Dr. Death yesterday, but, but I take it because that's what we talk about. We take it seriously, but hopefully with a bit of a smile and make it easier to discuss these things. So, Emma, tell us a little bit about you and how, what it was like to be a mortgage advisor at five years old. <laughs> yeah, that was um, confidential. Thanks very much for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so good morning, everyone. And Ben, thanks very much for um, letting me be involved today. So I'm Emma from Grace & Co Financial Services. Uh, we're a whole of market mortgage and protection advisory based in Bristol, although we have clients all over the Southwest. Uh, has, as Ben has already thrown me under the bus with my years of experience. So yeah, we've, uh, uh, we've been in the mortgage market for 25 years, ranging from uh, high street retail banking, from the more complex, right the way through to high net worth lending, and really uh, mortgage and protection advice is where we specialise now, which is where Grace & Co came from. So we're really passionate about um, helping clients in Bristol get into the property of their dreams and keeping them there should the worst happen. And we've certainly seen some of the worst circumstances at the moment. So yeah, we're being kept very busy by our clients at the moment. So that's a little bit about us. Thank you. Adrian, tell us about yourself and Anderson Harris. Yeah, thank you, Ben. And thanks for having me along today as well. Um, there's five of us at Anderson Harris for mortgage brokers and uh, one office manager, stroke power planner, stroke uh, assistance as well. Um, we, uh, we're London based. We are an independent mortgage and protection company. Um, we predominantly look after clients who um, live and work around London and the Southeast. Um, we are completely independent. We work with all of the usual sort of mainstream high street lenders building societies, challenger banks. Um, we also work with a fair few private banks as well. If we've got wealthy clients or clients who don't necessarily tick boxes, but they do have the, the wealth and the credit there to be able to borrow. Um, and um, we have um, a huge number of different introducers. And really we're just all about working with clients for the long term. Uh, we look after uh, lots of our clients' children's families as well. And uh, we're just keen to work with um, clients that we know um, well and trust as well. 
Yeah, thank you both. I think it's not always nice to give a bit of a background. Um, look, let's fire into it. I'm going to I'm going to keep it PC pre-COVID to start with. Um, I think as you both know, along with Kinherit, I, I own a protection firm, so I've been very close to the mortgage world and the insurance world for, for, for 15 years. I think mortgages in principle haven't changed. You, are, you want to buy a property, you don't have the whole amount, so you need someone to help you out so you can buy it. And you pay them back monthly for what they give you, loan you. Now, principle hasn't changed, but it feels to me like the market has seen a lot of changes in regards to obviously 2008 and lending criteria. So Emma, obviously you've been in the industry since Noah had a dog. So, <laughs> tell, so we need to you, move away from that now, Ben. We need yeah. to move away, could we? Thanks. <laughs> so if you, if you start off, how do you see the changes over the last 15 years? Because it, the principle hasn't changed, but I feel yeah. the mechanics really have. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And since we saw the kind of correction in the market some time ago, I think one of the key things that has remained quite stable um, are interest rates. So although we've seen a recent dip in the Bank of England base rate, um, things have remained reasonably um, stable over some considerable years. But as you've absolutely touched on, it's really lending criteria that has changed um, quite differently and, and I think one of the biggest changes that is, is that most lenders have moved from an income multiple based lending where they look at how much somebody earns, apply a multiple, deduct what they have for commitments of loans, credit cards etc and then they come up with this magical figure as to what they can lend somebody and that's very much moved with the assistance of the Financial Conduct Authority towards an affordability based lending. And that's very much a responsibility of the Financial Conduct Authority for lenders to demonstrate to them that they are lending in a reasonable way that is not financially disadvantaging clients, that they are not putting clients in a position where they aren't going to be able to afford the mortgages at the end of the day. And that's based on a number of assumptions. So that's not just being able to afford it today at the rate that they um, accept, which again, like I said, is normally quite reasonable but in the future as well. So when you come off your fixed rate, if you're on a variable rate, if your circumstances change, if your own personal income changes for any way, because as we know, life, there are some fluctuations in life and, and your income uh, and your affordability changes on a regular basis. So there has been this inherent need um, for a lender to demonstrate to the financial authority that their lending criteria is very much based around making sure that the client is not uh, disadvantaged financially. Now, alongside that, we deal mainly with residential lending, but buy-to-let lending has had a phenomenal um, change in criteria over the last few years and will probably continue to change in the future. Um, and that alongside with some quite large um, tax changes as well with regard to buy-to-let lending. So, um, yeah, so it has been quite fundamental. Amazing, look. I think um, you touched on something big with the buy to let, and I, I want to cover that again, but right at the very end, because I think moving forward, that's a huge piece. So we'll, we'll carry that on at the end. Adrian, I think Emma's point about the affordability and what used to be on the scale of income multiples, but also what about the way in which, what about the way in which people are borrowing and looking to borrow money? 
there seem to be some more ways of having a deposit, a gifted deposit, a funded deposit, other things with, with help to buy, with all these type of things. What, what, what have you seen with that? It does seem that the industry changed completely in that way as well. Yeah, the, the, the industry's moved on um, very, very quickly, actually. Uh, in fact, looking, looking back at when I started arranging mortgages, um, I didn't really realise at the time, but actually it was all, it was all pretty easy. Uh, the banks weren't necessarily asking that many questions. Obviously, we always had to carry out due diligence, etc. But, um, but the affordability questions that the banks are asking now um, certainly weren't there. Um, <clears throat> Post-credit crunch around 2009, 10, 11, it was actually uh, pretty tricky arranging mortgages. Um, banks certainly weren't that interested in um, lending interest only. And a lot of my customers who live and work in the city um, are seeking interest only mortgages because they've probably got other ways and means of actually uh, repaying the, the capital as well. Um, and in terms of just the, the products that are available that you just mentioned, um, there's a lot more products available in the marketplace now um, than there were before. Um, and the rates are just getting cheaper and cheaper. So, um, I mean, li literally, literally almost every month, it feels like for the last seven or eight years that banks have just been introducing cheaper rates. And, um, and the message actually from, um, from the Bank of England um, over the last three or four years has been get ready, interest rates will probably have to go up, etc. Uh, but, but it's actually never happened. So it's an incredibly cheap time to borrow. Um, and just in terms of how banks do view um, affordability, what I've noticed is um, quite a lot of the lenders now, um, since the mortgage market review, which came in place in 2014, um, since then, the banks are looking a lot more closely at how is this customer going to repay the mortgage? Uh, what outgoings do they have? And the banks are all now being a lot more responsible than they used to be. Um, and I think a lot of the banks are trying to protect the customers for themselves. Um, a lot of people borrowed in the past where maybe they shouldn't have. And the banks are just trying to protect customers from themselves. Mortgage rates are actually incredibly cheap. So it's not actually that expensive to be servicing your mortgage. But what banks will be doing is assessing a mortgage on a long-term basis because you'll normally have a mortgage for 25 years, for example. And lenders will be stress testing rates at say 7%, even though you may be able to get a, a, a one-year fix at, sorry, a two-year fix at sort of 1.2 or a five-year fix at 1.4, et cetera. The banks will be stress testing the rates at a lot higher level. Um, and just in terms of products to help the housing market to continue, um, the banks, um, you know, they have come out with in, in some products. Um, one product that we use a lot actually is a mortgage called a joint mortgage and a sole proprietor. So um, a lot of first time buyers will obviously struggle to get onto the property ladder um, simply because house prices are so high compared to people's income multiples. Um, and, um, and the governments have done various things to try and cool the property market down um, by uh, introducing um, additional stamp duty for people buying second homes um, or buy to lets. And in the past, a lot of parents to help their children out uh, would obviously come up with a cash deposit because that's, that's the first thing they do. But um, if their children don't have enough income um, to sanction the, the mortgage that they're looking for, uh, the parent would often go on a mortgage and go on a property title deeds as well. And this has been a problem since the um, tax has changed. So there's, um, there's about three lenders who will offer what's known as a joint mortgage sole proprietor, where, um, where the parents, if they have earned income, um, are able to go on the mortgage with their child. And, um, and the property is actually registered only in the name of their child. 
Um, this way, um, the child gets to purchase the property, the parent doesn't have to pay the extra stamp duty, um, the parent doesn't have the potential capital gains tax issue when the property is sold. Um, the parent obviously does have to take independent legal advice because they will be um, joint and severable liable for that mortgage with their child and have no interest in the property, but it, it's a good interested product out there and it's something which um, some of the lenders have come up with to help get the children on the ladder. Brilliant, thank you. I think I hear back the bank of mum and dad has never been more raided in the last 10 years. Um, we are a nation of home buyers, as they say. Um, it's some of our European neighbours who are very, very close and they've got They've got house house ownership in 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 the in the low low 30 40 percent 20 percent some some countries and it is a british thing in some ways to want to, to want to buy a home but who knows it's uh, whether that will change i think that it's so deep in our psyche that it won't change in our lifetime i think people are going to want to continue to buy so i'm a director um i think you both know how this works so I've had problems getting a mortgage, not, not because of the ability to afford it, but this is where I feel that the banks in the past made it difficult for people like me a couple of years ago, because I needed three years completed books, or this, 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 and this, rather than actually go, well, what did you earn? How, how did that look over that period of time? What's your accountant say is gonna happen? Now, obviously, we had to move away from self-cert, where people could just say they were going to earn whatever and do whatever. But it feels like with the self-employed and directors, I f do you feel they went a little bit too far? Did they, did they throw the baby out of the bathwater? Emma, what do you think? I, I think to a certain degree, there is still a lot of um, the box ticking exercises. And I have a lot of clients um, currently and who come to me recently where it's very important as they're self-employed to really different lenders are looking at and when your whole of market advisors like ourselves and you have a panel of lenders of over sort of 90 different lenders it's it's very interesting to see the differences in the lending criteria from lender to lender when you are self-employed so the key thing to say is planning is absolutely fundamental is to be really clear about what your lender will look at what income they will take into consideration so that you can plan accordingly because again it does make a difference if you're a director of a limited company versus if you're a sole trader the term of time that you've been trading for will be taken into consideration whether it's an upward trajectory with regard to your income or whether there's been fluctuating years um, and all of that will be taken into consideration against 90 different lenders some will take your salary as a director plus your dividends and average it out over three years. Some will do two. If it's increasing, some will do the final year. I think the thing that I'm saying is because there is so much information, your whole of market mortgage broker will be your best friend if you are a self-employed individual. Because if you walk into your bank who you've been with for 40 years or however long you've been with them with the idea that because you're a loyal customer of, of yours that they're going to see outside the box and see the growth of your business to support your mortgage payment they absolutely will not so it's yeah. absolutely vital that you understand what a lender will look at and by using someone who is whole of market will be able to absolutely pinpoint the best lender for you so whether there's retained profit in the business we've got lenders that you can use for that 
whether you've got um, fluctuations for an understandable reason and you've got somebody, a lender that will be able to take those into consideration, or even if you're coming up to a year end, you know that one lender will take a projection from your accountant, this is where we become your best friend. So planning and that's, knowledge is absolutely vital. really interesting because I know a lot of, having spoken to a lot of people that they don't take projections from accountants. So the fact you've got a couple of people that can do it is super. Adrian, I'm, I'm concerned from some of the things I hear and Emma's talking about positive side of it. But Emma mentioned the word fluctuations. Now, I've been told by a couple of the mortgage advisors that I speak to, that they don't think banks are going to take into consideration the reduction in earnings for the next, the last two, three months. So let's say, let's say you did 25 grand year one, 27 grand year two, and you're hoping to do 30 grand year three, and your mortgage is going to be based on that. But actually, year three, you're going to end up doing 25 grand again because you've, yeah. you've missed a couple of months. Yeah. Are the lenders being naughty there? They know the situation. Well, banks fundamentally, um, you know, they're, they're always trying to look at the risk. So banks love lending to people that are employed because you've got some pay slips, bank statements. Three months pay slips is very straightforward. When, when you're, when you're self-employed, um, as Emma said, it gets, it gets a lot more tricky because the lenders all do look at it very, very differently. And predominantly when a mortgage application goes in, um, you would predominantly just, 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 just be looking at the now. So um, the bank will be looking at what your income is at that point in time. It's very difficult to know what your income might be in the future um, or what it was in the past. And they, they generally just look at the now. So I think it will get challenging um, for people who's in, whose turnover has dipped and, and maybe their profit has dipped as well, because it's not that easy for the bank to be able to know that, that it, it's going to increase again. That said, a mortgage is generally arranged over a, a 25 year term. So actually we do have a blip now, but I think lenders, um, lenders should be looking at the longer term. I think they should be looking at what had happened in the past and what should be happening in the future. Um, and actually I think some of the big lenders will actually be communicating with the Bank of England, um, et cetera, um, and all talking between themselves because of course, they want the economy to keep on going. They want the housing market to keep on going. And, and there is a bit of a blip now, but actually I do think the banks need to look at the bigger picture and they generally look at the now, but the now is just a blip in time. So, so hopefully they will be um, flexible and I guess only time will tell how flexible they might be. Well, I, I, ho I hope you're right. And you say that they like, the banks really like people who are employed, but they're also very, very fond of taking company bank accounts and looking after company money when it suits them so it'd be nice to see them return the favor with, with the mortgages as i say for us it, it's been fine but a few years ago it was where we i felt i could say well look, look there's this much money over here it, yeah but we need we need two three years but, but, but okay all right that's just it, 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 it always felt to me to be a little bit arbitrary. They, they've gone, right, okay, well, we've made these new rules. We're not going to apply any logic or any sense of case management. We're going to say it's literally one size fits all. So yeah, they, that, 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 that was kind of a little ben, bit of ben, ben, I think I think it does. It definitely feels that way. And, um, and when a lot of my clients go from being employed to self-employed, mm. their mortgage capacity is literally virtually zero. Yeah. So, so your mortgage capacity drops off a cliff when you go to be self-employed. 
And, and that's something people yeah. should consider when they're making that jump. It's yeah. like you said, it is all about the yeah. planning. It really yeah, is knowing those things because like you said, you could be in the same line of work, you could be in a professional occupation, but if you're an employed teacher one day and then you hand your notice in and the next day you do exactly the same job with exactly the same clients, but you are on a self-employed basis, like we've said, it drops to absolutely zero. So the, the, the key is absolute knowledge. And I think just to add on to that as well, I think as whole of market brokers, we have a certain sympathy with clients about how much they actually draw from their business and therefore what we can use as far as mortgage planning is concerned. Because uh, there are a number of conversations that I have with my self-employed clients who say, the aim of my accountant is to keep my tax down as low as possible. And I absolutely understand that and we have sympathy with that. But unless that earning is taxable, uh, a lender will not consider it. So it's, it's almost trying to bring them up to a par with employed people. You earn the money, you pay tax on the money, they're absolutely for mortgage lending purposes. So that's the challenge that we have. A good accountant is not necessarily a good thing when it well, comes I to think, I think I think the problem is is some, some people's accountants are maybe too good. <laughs> um, and um, and that is what they're paying their accountant for. And exactly. it's all legal, it's all HMRC yeah. compliant, of course, yeah. it's all within the rules. But when it comes to um, a, um, obtaining a mortgage, yeah. it can get tricky. So as Emma said, I think fundamentally, if you're self-employed, you need to think ahead, you need to plan, you need, you need to speak to your mortgage broker as quickly as possible because banks do view them all very differently. Um, and um, But I, I do think banks are starting to starting to get better in this area because more and more of us are becoming self-employed. Um, as Emma said, many of us are leaving a good employed job to go to a self-employed job. We're doing the same thing. We're going self-employed because actually the aim is to earn more money, not less money. Exactly. Quite often you may be earning similar money at the beginning. You, it's just very difficult to demonstrate that. So I, do, I think banks need to start being a bit more flexible. And I think they're trying to be. It's just a difficult one to govern. Yeah. Well, thank you both. I appreciate that. So we'll move on to the next thing. Okay. So what we've got to look at now is the C word, which is COVID-19. Um, that's what these podcast king cast off the back of i just want to do something different get a few people on um i we i think the one thing i have been given a little bit is the gift of time and although i'm always busy i've managed to fill that time by making these shows um so how's the coronavirus look we'll come on to doom and gloom in a bit and i'll leave that because i'm quite passionate about where i think things are going to be and i think there's a lot of nonsense in some of the press and at the moment you both, you both must have a couple of horror stories or a couple of stories where you've really helped people out, um, payment holidays and the like. So we'll, we'll, we'll go with Adrian first. We've been with Emma first a few times. Adrian, talk to me, talk to us and the viewers about coronavirus, what it's meant to your clients. Yeah, so um, obviously when, when lockdown occurred, um, that was obviously an extremely anxious time um, for all of us. Um, and actually, as a, as a company, we, we made a decision that what we're going to do is, is actually actively get in touch with lots of our clients, lots of our introducers, um, and just to let them know that we're here for them. We're not just a mortgage brokerage here, just to write every mortgage deal. We're professional advisors. We're here for the long term, and we're here to support our, our clients um, through the tough times as well. So uh, we, we sent some uh, mailers out, some blogs, etc. Uh, it's a good advice notes around um, how you can apply for a payment holiday, 
um, certain things that you should be thinking about um, during this process as well. Uh, but it was an extremely anxious time. And actually we had clients almost exchanging just before, some had just exchanged, et cetera. Um, when lockdown occurred, obviously, uh, lots of the staff at the banks weren't able to work in the bank and actually they're not used to working remotely. Uh, the mortgage surveyors uh, were not able to go to go out and work. Uh, removal people couldn't work. So actually the world almost completely stopped. Um, so the key for us really was just to keep up the lines of communications with all of our clients. Um, and actually since lockdown, virtually all of the clients that I was speaking to about um, their purchase. They've all been back in touch um, and um, everybody still has a willingness to want to proceed. People are just being a lot more cautious now around what the values might be now, around what the values might be in the future. And, and I think fundamentally, a lot of people think that it's not possible to get a mortgage. Um, and I think the key message actually is banks are well capitalized. This is not like the financial crash that we, we had 10 years ago. Uh, this is a social problem and, um, and a big economic problem as well. But the banks are well capitalised. They've got big targets. They do have to lend. They want to lend. Interest rates are incredibly cheap. The problem is, is that the whole chain has sort of stopped for six or seven weeks because people weren't able to work. But actually, I do feel like we're starting to come out of it now. Um, I feel like banks are starting to get back to what's going to be the new norm. What we have seen is we've seen banks um, start to increase loan to valuations again. Uh, we've seen lenders start to increase mortgage loan sizes. Um, a lot of products disappeared at the beginning and we're starting to see products come back. So I think the general message is the banks are still lending. They do have an appetite to lend. Uh, and most of the people I'm speaking to who are purchasing are purchasing for the long term. They're needs-based purchases. There's a lot of pent up demand anyway from people wanting to purchase who've been putting their purchase off. Um, and um, it's difficult to know when exactly the right time is, but I think a lot of people do want to proceed, but just maybe with a bit more caution. Okay. Good, like it. Emma? I think that's a fair summary, actually. I think Adrian's kind of touched on most things. I think the initial fear that happened when lockdown originally um, came into place was, the, was a big contributing factor. And I think the old adage of um, no news is good news just was absolutely incorrect for this kind of situation. So communication with your clients who were at various stages of purchase, um, particularly clients, we have a bank of clients who are already clients with us who have got rates coming up for renewal. They were incredibly um, anxious about what was gonna be able uh, to be offered to them. But I think as Adrian touched on, it's really just communicating to those clients that this isn't a financial crisis. It isn't a catastrophe as far as interest rates are concerned. And, and like we've touched on, um, lenders still have an appetite. I think the um, physical challenges that we had with valuers being unable to go and survey properties, with social distancing affecting huge call centers that uh, deal with the management of ongoing cases. Um, for Obviously for security reasons, a lot of these people were not working from home, didn't have access to people's personal and financial um, details because of the risk involved. So the challenges really were more or less getting in contact with your lender to find out um, what the state of play was. And that's really, again, where we come into our own communicating with our clients, putting their mind at rest about where they are in the process, letting them know what their options are, 
because again people just think is it's a financial crisis it's just a, a sort of deal breaker it really wasn't like um, Adrian said lenders are still looking to lend there's competitive rates and although we saw um, high loan to value products disappear for a number of reasons because they tend to be the more complex cases where they haven't got lenders didn't have the people to deal with them um, because of the timescales and the backlogs. Um, the communication with clients was fundamental, even going down to their own individual circumstances about whether they were furloughed, whether they weren't, what the impact was if they were furloughed, right down to the basics of clients queuing on the phone for hours at a time to try and get payment holidays organized and us being able to provide them with um, application forms or links to do it online so they didn't have to sit on the phone for hours at a time so it's really that kind of value added service that we gave to our clients during this time of real high anxiety it's interesting you say about the, about the queuing on the phones um, <clears throat> i can't see which financial institution but i was one of the ones i was talking to that i quite close with um, they said that in the department that they would normally have looking after those type of queries they normally have 23 people mm. and they normally get between 150 and 250 calls mm -hmm. a week <laughs> and, oh. those and those 23 people <laughs> those 23 people also handle early surrender mm. um, which they get a couple hundred callers calls with mm. and a couple of like um, holding while they they move house for a couple of months that type of thing so there's three or four different scenarios and they get about a thousand calls a week between these 23 people they had fourteen thousand calls <laughs> in the first week from, up from a thousand yeah and they had and they instead of having 23 people in they only had 13 in because three were over the age of 65 and were self-isolating three were um um previous conditions so they were self-isolating couple had just happened to be on holiday so they, they went from having a full team and a thousand calls to having a skeleton crew and 14,000 calls now it's just one of those situations isn't it where everything happens at once and we just have to work ourselves through it I think as well that even if even if lenders were fully staffed it's that that massive increase in traffic to try and get yeah. some peace of mind and when it's not there that just adds to the anxiety and I know from a broker's point of view as well there's a couple of lender helplines that we have um, that are, have got slightly bigger teams but even those the answer phone messages change say listen if it's not like you're going to be repossessed yeah. tomorrow don't ring us we've got no help for you here email us we'll get back to you in three days so to be able to take that on from the client and say, listen, leave that with me. I've got five other clients in the same situation. I'll speak to them all at the same time about all of these five clients and get back to you. It's a, it's a huge addition to the service that we provide. So let's, let's be negative or positive. Let's try and be both. Um, I'm of the opinion, so I'll lay out my, my, my thought. 2008 was a market crash. It was an economic problem. There was no social problem. People wanted to spend, but they didn't have the money. Now we're going. To, now we've got people who want to spend. Many have been sat at home on furlough, building up money, and an angst to get out and drink, spend <laughs> money, party, and do whatever. Go to B and Q. So, yeah. At least, <laughs> at least during the crash, we could have some fun. In <laughs> I do remember we could have a lot of fun. <laughs> now we can't even have that fun. Yeah. It's not the same. But, there feels potentially there's going to be a bit more money around. As you say, the banks are capitalised well. 
people want to spend money because it would be a social problem they want to get out and spend money when they can so i think there's going to be an immediate an immediate small banks or the dead cat banks as their joke was that there is going to be a little bit of an uplift when we come out of this with people with some money in their pocket who want to spend homeowners who've got deals going through at the minute who are still going to have the affordability because their job going through they'll be slightly fewer because of scare and some people will still be isolating whatever there'll still be there'll be a depression of numbers but it won't be horrific my concern is what happens in september october november we've got the figures out yesterday let's look on the other screen 2.1 million people are now claiming unemployment benefit up from 850,000. we've still got 5.6.9 million people on furlough so we've got 2.1 million unemployed which was 850 we've got 6.9 million people on furlough my my worry is that what happens when all this washes through we we re-emerge and the green shoots are then cut down because actually we're going to probably have around about three and a half to four million unemployed that is going to affect things both on the spending criteria in the high street and a spending criteria and money in your pocket to move house yeah. Am I wrong to and be that cautious? Adrian? No, I think I think I think the landscape's going to look very different when we when we start to come out of this because the economy is not the same size that it was. Um, a lot of people will be um, having less income if you're employed. Uh, maybe you've taken a pay cut. Maybe if you if you're working, you get bonuses. You won't be getting that bonus. A lot of people who are furloughed may not necessarily have a job to come back to so i do think the landscape is is going to be uh, is going to be pretty different and um, some people who are hoping to purchase um, just won't have the capacity to, to purchase now because their incomes will be lower or they may not have a job which would enable them to do that so i think the landscape will, will be pretty different i think in terms of um in terms of people moving and purchasing. I still, I still do think there is that demand that's there. Um, lots of our clients are still getting in touch. We've met a lot of new clients recently, and I think Emma has as well. Getting in touch, they, they see now as a good time to purchase. They'd be buying a property at a price which is lower now than it would have been previously. They're purchasing for the long term. Uh, yes, the, the value of the property may continue to go down, but they're buying it now cheaper than they would have. And if they're not selling the property, then, then actually they haven't necessarily lost any money. So I think there is a demand. Um, as you say, people love bricks and mortar. We need somewhere to live. Interest rates are very low. It's not that expensive to service your mortgage. Actually getting that mortgage may, may be a bit trickier now. Um, and of course, you know, it's the best time to talk to an independent person who knows all the lenders, who knows the quirks, and who knows how the banks underwrite these applications. You, you two have got to stop talking about how good being independent is, right? We all get it. You guys are brilliant at being independent. I think we need to say it one more time. Yeah. You guys need don't need to say it anymore. Yeah. All right. Emma, so right. Don't, go to, a... don't go to your banks. Go to your independent mortgage broker. Yeah. I know that. Right. We've got to stop it. We, we take a lot of clients back to their own banks because we can arrange it quicker. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> stop it. Emma, what do, you, what do you think going forward? Well, I hate to say it, Ben, but I actually agree with you. I think the landscape is going to be um, very different um, over the next coming months. But I also think that time is going to be very interesting because what we don't know at this point in time, there's lots of statistics going backwards and forwards about unemployment. 
um, and GDP and all that kind of thing, which will affect things. But I think because it's so new and it's very, I hate to say the word unprecedented, we just have no idea really about the level of recovery that we're going to see. And that may have an impact on people returning to work, whether they return to work at all in a reduced part-time capacity if they come back full-time like Adrian said but with no bonus capacity that kind of thing so I know the Chancellor said yesterday I think he said that there's been a 70% increase in the applications uh, to the government for um, income support so it's going to be interesting to see whether those kind of levels of figures continue um, having said that I read a very interesting LinkedIn um, post yesterday from Jake Greedy of Nexa Estate Agents in Bristol they're an independent estate agent and they commented that Rightmove stated that on lockdown visitors to their website dropped by 40% but not only has that returned but it's now almost doubled in the number of people searching for not just property to buy but property to rent that's got a garden so it really does echo back to this social side that people are now more aware and we seem to have a real divide from people that have been massively in fact, uh, impacted by the current situation and are either furloughed and are not going to be returning to work or have been employed by businesses that have not survived versus people that have been not affected at all and have been at home stashing mm -hmm. money away not being able to spend it and actually feel like now is a good time for that fresh start so i think we've got such a divide that time will be a very interesting thing to see kind of what level and what speed the economy does recover at. I think the right move figures are really interesting. I think yeah. a lot, I think what people are... Listen, I mean, I'm, I'm a right move voyeur. I love to yeah. the nose, but those figures are quite staggering. And I, I think that people, again, how do I people aren't stupid but people expect things in a way that they just haven't thought about it. Hmm. I think people are going into right move now going, oh, that house was 500 grand. Is it now on sale for 40p? <laughs> no, of course not. I think yeah. there's an awful lot of that going on at the moment. Hmm. Um, speaking, uh, one of my friends rang me, bless him, lovely bloke, really bright guy, rang me and said, mate, I was looking out for 500 grand. He said, do you reckon it'll drop to 300? No, mate. No, I don't. No. And if it does, it, it, it could do. But there are big problems if it does. But I, I think I that's the problem. I don't think that's and it won't do it and, in the, think... and it won't do it in the next six weeks. No. But I think that will be clear very quickly. I think if there are people that think that there's going to be that impact, I think they're going to have a reality check very quickly that actually the financial situation is not, we are not there. It is not that kind of situation that we're dealing with. I think, I think you will be purchasing a property at a lower purchase price, but, but not the discounts that some people think they're going to get. And some people will or possibly will be forced to sell their property or may choose to sell their property um, but, but actually, if they've got a mortgage secured against their property, um, they are heavily regulated, the mortgages, and the lenders will do everything they can to try and keep that family in that property if they want to stay there. Mm -hmm. So if that person has a capital repayment mortgage and if they're struggling with their mortgage due to the current situation, they will probably... Um, switch it to an interest-only mortgage um, after the payment holiday period is finished, which could reduce their mortgage payments by, by a course of maybe what they are now. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of mechanisms that the lenders can do to try and help people to retain and stay in their property, which is why I don't think there's necessarily going to be a huge amount of massively discounted properties out there. Mm -hmm. 
let's let's put our, let's get our crystal balls out. Here we go. I've got a bottle of water, don't I, Crystal? Ooh, ball, but yeah. the, the, the lid wasn't on, that nearly ended in tears. That could have um, been interesting. Yeah. I, so I, I believe the housing market was around about 35 to 4%, may, maybe 5 in the southwest of England, overinflated. I think we've lost that. I think if you look at what's going to happen, that 5% will have been wiped off in the last six to eight weeks, especially when houses come back on the market and people start moving, moving. The, the, the market starts mm. its motions again. What do you guys think? Adrian, the London market, Emma, with me, you and me in the southwest. What more of a percentage do you think is going to come off over the next six to 12 months? Um, we lost five. That, that's evident. So, Adrian, go with London. What else do you think is going to come off after that five? Well, again, very, diff very difficult to tell. And actually, London is very area specific. So all the postcodes, all the different little areas are all very different with different values, different property types. Um, so looking at the reports, um, it looks like there could be uh, reductions of maybe five to 10%. That's what I'm reading generally, five to 10%. But what whether I, that happens is, is another matter. What I saw for London was that they thought that properties without a garden or a communal outdoor space we're going to suffer a much bigger reduction in the immediacy than than any other pro any other properties. That's that's kind of makes sense. Again, Emma said about the rentals with gardens. What what do you think? Is that something you think will happen? I, feel sorry, like I, I meant I meant that for Adrian. Adrian, the London properties without a garden. Yeah, I mean, um, a, a lot of people uh, you know really enjoy living in their in their flats in London, but but actually now. If you're not allowed out in the same way that you were and you may not be in the future, then then there's a good point that they may be hit harder than, than houses with gardens. Yeah. There's not actually a huge amount of houses with gardens in London, actually. Um, but um, but I, I, I do think there will be a bit of a drop in prices. But actually, uh, from what I can still see, there's a big pent up demand. There always has been. Uh, London is still a big global city. There's a big economy there. Uh, it is only a certain size uh, and a lot of people live and work there or want to be there. So uh, I, I don't think values will be dropping off that much. Emma, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I tend to echo those sentiments. I think over the coming months, there'll be a collective kind of holding of breaths <clears throat> just to see how things go with the economy and how they recover, whether people have got the confidence to put their properties on the market and make the move. Um, I think there will be an element of first time buyers coming to the market in the hope that they might be able to secure properties that they uh, weren't able to secure before at a slightly reduced price. Um, I don't think we're going to see a tumbling of values or the situations where people are going to get huge discounts. So I think if anything, over the coming months, there will probably be a reduced number of transactions because people are just going to bide their time and wait. And unless it's, there's a really forced personal reason as to why you need to vacate that property for a variety of reasons, whether it's because you're struggling with your mortgage payments and don't have any alternatives. But as Adrian has already alluded to, lenders have got a responsibility to make sure that they can do everything in their power to keep you in that property. Um, but people I don't think are gonna accept massively reduced prices for their houses if there isn't a fundamental reason for them to, um, to move on. So I think what we could see is a period of six months where we have very low transactional values um, before people really get a gauge as to how the market is recovering. 
Yeah, and if I can just add one more thing, actually, I think um, I think transaction levels will be massively down. They will be massively down this year. Um, but actually, in terms of values uh, and, and stock availability, I think a lot of people who are thinking of selling may actually wait and not put their property on the market because they're probably thinking it's, they're not going to be getting the best price. They'll yeah. be worried about what I call lots of bottom feeders around, you know, trying to pick a property up at an absolute bargain. So I think there will be a lack of available stock. And if there's a lack of available spot, stock and people still want to move for all the needs-based reasons that there are, then, then the values may not come up as much as people think they might do because partly because there'll be less transactions taking place. So yeah, you, you're, you're going you're to get the supply and demand just because people are, some people aren't going to be putting them on and people still need to move. So I wanted to say thank you to both. Um, we've way run over time. Um, I, I don't apologise for it. Um, it's probably because you two spent 15 minutes yeah. saying how good at being an independent mortgage advisor. <laughs> So, so our learning point for the day is yeah. go and see your whole of market mortgage broker. Yeah. Well, I, think, I think something like 75% of all of the mortgages arranged. I'm going to press stop in a second. Intermediary now. <laughs> I agree with you, AJ. So, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> right. you, 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 two, you two have been great guests in a way. It has been fun. It's been, also, I think the message to go out is we think there will be a slight reduction in house prices, not the reduction maybe some people are hoping for. Yeah. And because the transactions are gonna lower, maybe the prices will hold a little bit more than we expect. So don't panic. Yeah. Speak to the whole of market independent mortgage advisor. Well said. And um, also, as soon as you purchase a property, what should you do? Oh, now Update that's Update your wonder. will. Update your will. See if you two are going to do it. I'm going to join in as well. Right. Right. I'm done. Are we done that, here? We're done. On that note. On that note, let's say goodbye to everyone. Let's do the awkward way. Cheers, guys. Thanks so Thank much. Bye-bye. Thanks.